definitely congratulations to to the Swan Clan. And we'll we were kind of on baby watch last week, mm-hmm. and uh, and ultimately I believe it was Wednesday of this week that Maverick came into the world. So yeah, congratulations to the to the Swan, and uh, uh, definitely trying to keep up with his energy here this morning. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it though. Here's the one Swanee impression I would give this this hour because we did a podcast and we both gave our Swanee impressions <laughs> just because we had to. It's a Maverick is back into the world and he's keeping me late up at night and I'm having fun. I think of like those NFL films like Sam Spence, oh. those like dun da 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 mm-hmm. like Swanee, like basically mm-hmm. that's always playing in his head. So he's like, the days of Dakota Field have come around and Northern Iowa's in town for homecoming in Fargo. What do you think the crowd's going to be today? Because a lot of area, again, you, I've seen folks already snowblow. I've seen folks use a shovel. Jeez. I've seen folks in a ditch online. So what is the crowd estimate, do you think, going to be for homecoming 2019? Because a lot of folks travel from a good distance to get here, and they make it a day or they might make it a weekend out of it, especially with the game being a little bit earlier than its 2.30 start, so a 1 o'clock start. I, I, I still think it's going to be a loud dome. It's still going to be a lot of people there. I'm curious what the student turnout always is, is kind of the question. Do they stay for the entire game because that could kind of sway some stuff? But crowd-wise, you're thinking 14, 15, 16,000 for actual people in attendance. Well, I mean, this is Northern Iowa. I mean, this is technically a rivalry game mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I mean, NDSU fans don't like Northern Iowa. They don't like Mark Farley for, you know, a number of different reasons, and it goes both ways. I mean, people in, in Cedar Falls don't like people in Fargo. It's just the way it works. So I, I, I thought it was interesting that they're still selling tickets to this, Chase. I think I saw that on social media yesterday. They were still selling tickets to this game. So obviously I don't think it's going to be a sellout per se, but I, I was more interested to see what the what the tailgate lot looked like. I think people are not necessarily used to bringing out their, their winter protective gear for, for tailgating tents right in october but uh, at the same time i don't think you can underestimate the fact that homecoming is a big deal on north dakota state's campus so i don't know i'd say i'd say it'd be upwards of that seventeen thousand. i don't know if it'll be a sellout but i i think enough people turn out if if people followed the weather over the course of this week they knew at the beginning of the week that we were going to get hit with some snow mm-hmm. hit with some sleet hit with all this I think they would have the presence of mind to maybe come on like a Thursday or I I get you have to take off work, all that stuff, but maybe come in a day earlier. Maybe they came in Thursday night or Friday morning, whatever. I don't know, but. It's uh, going to be a fun one today from the Fargo. A, because the Bison have a 26 game winning streak on the line. B, both Northern Iowa and North Dakota State one and zero in conference play, so the winner gets two and zero in conference play. And C, I think Nolan just hit it on the head. It's homecoming, kind of has a different vibe, a different feel to it, and it makes it a lot of fun for uh, you know other people, other alum that's coming in. Uh, you're getting former players that are coming there from whether it's the Bison football team or, or other maybe coaches or teams that get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was going to say the Athletic Hall of Fame and, was yesterday, and you got that going on. And you know what, a guy that. Growing up, who did everything for the Bison, former Bison kicker and punter Aaron Peterson from 98 to 2001. He's going to be inducted as part of the 48th class. This is a guy who handled kickoffs, he handled punts, and he handled point after attempts. And oh, by the way, this was in Division Two. So could you imagine you have one kicker to do everything for a couple of years, Nolan? And I'm, I'm just going through here, and this is nothing against the Crosas, the 
you know, Peterson's. the Petersons or, or anyone of that nature, the Garrett Wagners, the Ben LeCompse of the world, but could you imagine having them having to do all three things at the Division One? I mean, there is some folks who can do it, and, and they do it for a really good cause and reason, but you kind of hear sometimes if you talk to special teams coaches or maybe the players themselves, they might go, well, punting is a little bit different than kickoff, and kickoff's a little bit different than field goal kicking, so you're maybe working on one particular area that might not make you as good of a punter if you're always Always worrying about the kickoffs and you know field goals. There's different technicalities to it. I don't think people really understand. Like I mean, punting is a highly technical, I mean, cyclical sort of movement uh, for guys like that. I mean, you could probably talk to Garrett Wagner about that. So I mean, flip flop. Take this year for example. I mean, put G- Griffin Crosa back there to try to punt a ball like a Garrett Wagner. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. And you know, nothing against Griffin Crosa, but he's a true freshman, and I think he, you know, maybe 150 pounds soaking wet. He's he's not a big guy. You know, you don't want him taking hits in the backfield on a punt or getting a punt blocked. Maybe he hurts his leg. There's just a lot of different factors that I don't think you can necessarily adhere it to this year's team or even some past teams. But, you know, you bring up a great point. That's, you know, it, I think it's so interesting. You know, we're seeing the Bison Athletic Hall of Fame, these these athletes from the Division II era that did so many things. I'm thinking of a guy like Todd Fuller who played baseball for the Bison but was also a Division II national champion wrestler for Bucky Mon. And so I think it's so interesting these Division II era athletes oftentimes not only played multiple positions on the field but played multiple sports. I think that's, that's something we don't see a, a whole lot of nowadays. You got uh, alongside – with uh, Jeremy, uh, excuse me, Jenny Christians, uh, Baki, you have Amanda Smock, you got uh, Barry Adams, Todd Fuller, uh, and Jeremy, excuse, Jamie Barry Adams getting into the Athletic Hall of Fame. Nathan Schmidt. And there you go, Nathan Schmidt. Uh, any relation? Uh, no. Okay, well, but I just got to ask a, that. He was a national champion, too, in the decathlon, I'm pretty sure. And it's always fun to see when they come in and, uh, you know, at halftime or sometime get a standing Should ovation. Be halftime, and, yeah. and it's kind of just adds to the festivities. And that's how you know it's homecoming mm-hmm. for, for, for these folks. I think if you talk to the players and the coaches and you ask about homecoming, they're going to say it's a normal week. If you would talk to Matt Ants, he'd be like, well, I'm still going into my office at 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not leaving it till late in the evening so for me homecoming maybe doesn't change maybe he has another speech or uh, appearance that he has to do in the week that's not normal uh for the players that are on campus if there's like a chili feed or some type of cook-off or maybe there's a toy drive or some type of parish drive that's going on for for canned items maybe then you start seeing something that might be a little bit different or you see signs around homecoming but for the most part Nolan, homecoming is for the fans it's for the alumni that are coming back to campus that maybe aren't in the Red River Valley area anymore. And it's also just another opportunity for those fans who are going to be hardy warriors of tailgating to go back out and put some gator on the grill, pork on the grill, burger on the grill, and just enjoy, the, the as Swanee would say, the fellowship of bison football. <laughs> and I, I don't think the processes really change if you're a coach or a player. But one thing I will say is that I've oftentimes heard, I think it was Zach Johnson that told me this, it might have been last year or even the year before, I mean, they want to, you know, build a program and and emulate the guys that came before them. Uh, that, that's what I hear all the time from from NDSU current players and even former alumni. They were like, well, it's the guys before us that set the foundation for where we are now. So I think there's a certain amount of appreciation for, for football alumni specifically uh, on this weekend and with a lot of football alumni probably in attendance today. I know that the Bison players are going to want to show out mm-hmm. and, and get and attempt to uh, to cover that, sp- that 21 point spread over the Panthers. 21 21- one point spread we'll get to that on our taking it to the bank segment later in the hour whether
whether you will take that to the bank or not, or what do you think the final score is? I have, Swan- I have Swanee's okay. in, in tow. I have, okay. his, I have that, his final score in That tow. was my question, because we weren't going to leave Swanee out of this mm-hmm. to see what his prediction is compared to Nolan and myself's prediction is. I'm probably going to go with the under than the over of that 21 points, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. Also, A.J. Blazik in the next segment, NDSU offensive line coach. Nolan, the numbers don't lie. Six yards per rush, actually technically 6.1 yards per rush. The Bison are averaging almost 300 yards a game on the ground. A.J. Blazik has brought something from, I'm not going to say different, but he's added to the Bison lore of the Rams up front during this run, and it just made him even, uh, I think, maybe a half step better. And I don't know how you could make a front five a half step better, but it seems like he has so far through five games in 2019. And he's got some big bodies. He's got some NFL-caliber talents and Zach Johnson, Dylan Radins on that on that front line. But you, know, you look at a guy like Ty Brooks that has eight yards of carry this year. I mean, <laughs> that that's built up, uh, you know, opening up your A and B and your C gaps. So I, I think a lot of people look at A.J. Block and say, well, he came from the Big Ten and Rutgers. That's really impressive because, you know, you could consider the Big Ten kind of the Missouri Valley of the FBS. It's just rough and tumble. It's physical football. That's the way NDSU likes to play. But at the same time, you know, A.J. Blazik has experience in the Valley. He's Uh coached at Western Illinois. He knows this league. He knows how physical it is. So I think that's maybe gone more of a long way than than him coaching in in the Big Ten. But obviously the the resume speaks for itself. He's, He's a successful offensive line coach, has been and he's translating it to North Dakota State. And what he's done is uh, always just added, I think, uh, another piece of the dimension of making sure you block consistently down the field and mm-hmm. you can sin- and you have it until the whistle is done. If you can get a pop on someone, not a cheap shot, but if you can get another okay. if you can get another hit, if you can make another lane, make another cutback crease, you're going to be doing so. So our one-on-one conversation with AJ Blazik, we're going to ask what his favorite meal is before or after a game i think some of you will like it i'm just going to put it to you that way there there's a multitude of eating his particular uh food that's what i'm there there's a lot of different options to eat this particular food pre-game rituals are so interesting to me it's like well if the i you know 10 years ago i had a you know a hot dog from this place and now i and we won the game so mm-hmm. i can't i can't not and have I, a hot dog and i walked around the field game. three hours beforehand and i went on every I find that single so line and I, and i think that factors into Blazik's answer because when you told me this, you know, earlier this mm-hmm. week, I was like, "Really? That that is a very interesting answer because I never would eat that before a game." But he didn't take him. Not, he's not playing. No, so. and, and it didn't take him long to answer that either. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of like, "Give me a second, got it, good, okay, here okay, we go." I I was like, oh, "Oh, all right, simple enough." Kind of makes sense maybe for an offensive line coach to boot on top of that one. Before we talk a little bit more about the Northern Iowa game and maybe hear how Northern Iowa is banged up coming into this one from how the season started to where they are now, we have Jim Nelson of the Waterloo Courier coming up on FCS Saturday at nine oh five. Talk more about bison football by the way und got into idaho last night like at 11 o'clock yeah it was a very 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 late game northern iowa got into fargo at one there was a sun country plane that got into town i think everybody said "Ooh, this is from iowa is this the charter flight Mm -hmm. yes it is so uh jim nelson was put up at the radisson where they, he was put up. They so do big, we do a big round So uh, we're going to get Jim Nelson's thoughts on the Panthers at around 9.05. Then around the rink with Travis Dunn. I mean, if it's snowed out, you got to talk hockey. You and his first game. And we're going to talk hockey with around the wink with Travis Dunn coming up from 930 to 1030 here on 740. The fan that's put you into the Red River rivalry 
The Southern one with uh, OU and Texas at 10.30 pre-11 o'clock kickoff. Then later tonight, uh, Wild Hockey. The Wild have their home opener. They look for their first win against Sid the Kid and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't I, Can you say Sid the Kid anymore? He's really not a kid in the National Hockey League. I remember when he League. was a kid. Yes. That, ma- that makes me feel old. Mm-hmm. That At one time, I remember when he was the 17, 18-year-old kid that everybody was like, oh, he's going to be the best ever. So. so we got that today. So a lot of stuff for you right here on 740 Fan on this Saturday. No Bison with another impressive performance on the road, 37-3. to Earlier in the week, Mark Farley said in his uh, press conference that, hey, I thought Illinois State was a really good team. I thought Delaware was a really good team. And the fact NDSU went on the road and beat both of those teams, and now we have to go to their venue. Yeah, it's going to be a challenging day come Saturday, and here we are. What stood out most to you in that Illinois State win from top to bottom? Illinois State was a little hampered because of injuries. I've known you said for quite some time that the Redbirds are an overrated team. And by the way, if they lose today, they're all of a sudden 0-2 in conference play. And we'll get to the Missouri Valley uh, whip around, just kind of letting you know who plays who. And there's a big one in Youngstown between the Gwins and alongside the Jacks. But what impressed you most about that 60 minutes of football where if you were just stat casting the game and it was midway through the first quarter, you were like, wow, it's already a two-possession, three-possession you know, lead for North Dakota State. Well, I, they, they made Illinois State one-dimensional, right? We talked about it that if Brady Dave, if it came down to making Brady Davis beat you, the Bison were going to win. And, and it, it didn't matter what the score was. If Brady Davis was forced to throw the football to win the football game, NDSU was going to win. I mean, you forced James Robinson, probably the, the best running back in FCS, to under 100 yards. That's a win, right? Because he was averaging 108, 109 yards per game with eight touchdowns. I thought that was probably the most crazy stat is I think through four games, he had eight touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. It's incredible. And I think at one time in the first half, he had every single yard of offense that, that the Redbirds had, 84 yards or something like that. But you look at, you know, the second half of that football game. And I mean, I think a, a big deal was when Illinois State got the ball back near the end of the half and they were able to sack Brady Davis, I believe, two straight times and push him back out of field goal range, held him out of points. That was huge heading into the heading into the locker room at halftime. And I think it really set the tone for the second half where, you know, ultimately the Bison dominated this team. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Brady Davis didn't have his top two guys to throw to, but they were really I mean, NDSU forced him to be one dimensional on offense. I mean, I think against any team, regardless of how good they are, if you can make a team one dimensional your chances of winning are pretty high. And Trey Lance performed really well in his first conference oh, game. Yeah, he we, did we, too. I we've all, about him. we've always been talking about a, a game of firsts and Matt Ants kind of said it, you know, last week, well, if you can win all your firsts, you're going to do pretty well, right? If you can win the first game of the season. If you can win your first home or road game depend on where it's at. If you can win your first road home conference game, you're going to be putting yourself in a really good spot come midway point through the year. Well, check 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 and check and now can they win their first home conference game we'll find out later today at one o'clock inside the dome but lance goes 12 of 15 a buck 89 three touchdowns zero interceptions and then rushing seven rushes for 44 yards he gets 43 with a one yard loss on a on one but other than that i mean this is what ndsu football is easton stick Rarely put Gotti numbers up. Carson Wentz rarely put Gotti numbers up. Brock Jensen rarely put Gotti numbers up through the passing game. And if they did, that mean NDSU was losing in the second half or losing in the third, fourth quarter where they had to throw the football maybe a little bit more. And now all of a sudden you saw normal 15 passes 
go to 25 or 30. We rarely see a Bison quarterback break the 30 mark for passing attempts in a game. It just doesn't happen that often. But Trey Lance goes 12 of 15 for 189, three touchdowns. Is this safe to say that Trey Lance has shown enough through five games that we kind of know what his game is going to be moving forward for NDSU at the quarterback position? I would say so, but I, I'm more impressed with the fact that the kid has 18 touchdowns, six rushing, 12 passing, and no turnovers, right? I think, well, I could, can you deem the the mishandled snap against Davis as his fumble, or is it Bro- technically Brooks' fumble? It's probably a two-way team and, effort on that one. Well, we'll call it zero turn, uh, zero interceptions. I mean, I think that's probably the bigger, the bigger number is 12. 12 touchdowns to zero interceptions. He's making good reads. He's going through progressions. He's not afraid to, you know, kick a field goal or, or punt the ball if they need to. He's being really smart in the, back there. And also, you know, to, to lend a hand to when we're going to talk to A.J. Blazik, they've the NDSU offensive line has kept him pretty clean for the most part outside of maybe, I think, two sacks against UND. I can't recall a time that he's been on the ground in the backfield for a sack. So, if you can be protected, it goes across any level of football. If your quarterback is upright and he is given time to throw, run, pass, whatever, he's going to be successful. That's just the way it works in football. And I find it so interesting that you say you're never going to see an NDSU quarterback with 30 passes. Trey Lance has only thrown the ball 87 times yeah, this year. And that's five games. The quarterback we see today, Will McIlvain of Northern Iowa, has thrown the ball 142 times already. I you know, I, you just don't see that in college football. He's and he's also very efficient with those passes. If you don't have to throw, NDSU's not going to throw. No, They're going to own the time of possession. Plus, if you throw, only one th- good thing can happen, right? You re- you catch the ball. A lot of bad things can happen if you try to throw the football. There could be a sack. There could be a sack, sack strip fumble. There could be an incompletion. There could be an interception. So why does NDSU do that? Well, A, time of possession. B, win the turnover battle, which we hear every week is always a key to the game. And then C, it's not that they don't trust their quarterbacks. It's just they don't need to put that kind of pressure on whether it's a redshirt senior in Easton Stick kind of player or now a redshirt freshman in a train lance. I mean, if you have five healthy running backs that offer you a different skill set, like a Ty Brooks offers you a playmaking ability and speed, Adam Cofield, Sabian Clark are rough and tumble backs that can get between the tackles. Kobe Johnson is is a similar player to, to Ty Brooks, maybe Red even a little gone. bigger. Yep. Red shirt's gone. If you have guys like that, and Demetri Williams, who like who hopefully we'll see today, I, I was really impressed with what Demetri was doing the first game and, and the half game against UND. So, I mean, when you have a stable of running backs like that, Trey Lance doesn't need to drop back and throw the ball 35 times to win a football game. Like you said at the top, I mean, they're they're rushing for over 200 yards every single game. So why, why, why reinvent the wheel here? Last thing before we take a break and get to A.J. Blazik again, if you're curious of where's Swanee? Well, Swanee again in Libby, congratulations. They had a son, so that means Swanee is on now Swan Dad Duty or Swan Pa. Is that diaper is, duty? There we go. Well, diaper duty too. But uh, maternity uh, Ma- is what he's deeming it. Ma- as. Maverick Man-turnity Alan duty. Swanson earlier in the week came into this world, and congratulations one more time to Swanee and Libby. So Nolan Schmidt, myself, Chase Miller filling in for this tag team duo. Uh, ben Ellison, he's a guy that's breaking records right now, and ironically on homecoming, he has a chance to break Jared uh, Jeremiah Wurzbacher's record of 14 career touchdowns. 
caught by a NDSU tight end. I mean, and there's a plenty of games to where you think he's probably going to get one more, whether it happens today oh, or yeah. not. But it's been him. It's been Gindorf. It's been Babbage. I mean, there. and again, going to an earlier comment this week about uh, Coach Mark Farley was asked, how do you go up against NDSU's tight ends who have, what, three-fourths of the receiving touchdowns that Trey Lance has thrown this year? And his response was kind of in jest. Well, we better guard him then, shouldn't we? And and I and then he went on to elaborate, going, "This is something you don't see often. Not just one tight end, two tight ends. They might throw three tight ends. Shoot, they might go four tight ends. Then they might bring a fullback in there. So something that he even said, this is an offense, not an option offense. This is an offense that has been around for quite some time. But everyone's going to the spread. Everyone's going to more of a quick passing attack." And this type of, we're going to run it down your throat until you can stop it. Offense, you don't see that often. But the guys that are benefiting from it this year with how Tyler Roll is calling plays or maybe getting guys open because that's the spot that he he coaches. And now he's found different ways of five, six years coaching that spot going, how can we get them in situations? And when you get a 6'6", 6'5", 6'4", frame at 200-plus pounds going up against a 5'11", 6-foot, a guy that looks like Nolan Schmidt and Chase Miller in the studio as a secondary, uh, mm-hmm. I like Ben Ellison's chances probably, Nolan, to come down with that football. So if he catches one more this season or, or today, he will be the program leader with still a ton of games left to be played. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to offshoot that, not to you know discredit anything that Ben Ellison's doing because obviously he's going to break that record and he's probably going to market at maybe maybe 20 or something. You can, I mean, you can put a rough number on how many touchdowns he might score this year. But Noah Gindorf has four catches and four touchdowns. That's not bad. I mean, that's Chris Carter. He, he's kind of he's kind of on a fast track to being in that conversation to break Ben Ellison's record <laughs> come his senior season, which he just so happens to have two years remaining. So I, I've been really impressed. You know, I think we knew last year what Ellison was capable of, and obviously you have Easton Stick under center. Trey Lance has made him look as good, if not better, so far this year. But what I'm impressed with is Babich and, and Gindorf. I mean, this is the future of that crew chief room, and Gindorf. I, I mean. You know, you get four four receptions for four touchdowns, and likely would have had five receptions for five touchdowns had he not maybe dropped that one against UC Davis. He's a he's a really good player, really big player, and has incredible hands. I'm, I'm really impressed with what Gindor's doing this year. And we haven't talked about the defense much. We'll talk about the defense a little bit more coming up with our preview with Northern Iowa and what Cole Karch has been able to do. Five sacks. Team's got 14. He's got five of them. Mm-hmm. Not, not too bad of a year so far for that senior. We're going to take a quick time out. We're back after this. A.J. Blazek, NDSU offensive line coach, will be joining the program. We'll get to our picks predictions and alongside our preview with Northern Iowa and North Dakota State and a look around the Missouri Valley Football Conference games coming at you today. The Bison and the Panthers one versus number 10 it's homecoming 2019 on the snow blustery saturday morning chase miller nolan schmidt zach thompson this is hurt here with swanee chase miller nolan in for swanee today on the fan Every week, Swanee goes one-on-one with NDSU's playmakers, the guys who make it happen for the Bison and continue the program's tradition and excellence. These guys are the strength of the herd. 8.27 on a Saturday, October the 12th. This is Herded here with Swanee, Chase Miller, Nolan Schmidt, and Zach Thompson, the three-man duo for you on this Saturday morning. Uh, congratulations one more time goes out to Swanee and Libby as they brought in Maverick Allen Swanson into the world. So gone this week, but he's going to be back 
next week. And I think Nolan's going to handle Swanee's, uh, what so was it? Says. Uh, Swanee, you're going to handle uh, Swanee's yeah, uh, gotta, Vogel gotta, stuff, right? I, I got a call from from Vogel Law Firm mm. where Swanee, uh, that's actually where he is an, em- an employee of. Right, this is his uh, fun job. And and I will be doing his depositions this uh, week. All right, so well, heads up, you're Swanee. Covered, you're covered, Swanee. <laughs> heads up, Swanee, your depositions are in the hands of Nolan. Well, I'm not saying anything bad about Nolan. I'm just saying I don't know, I don't know how much about law that you you know, know compared to Swanee. I'm not a criminal lawyer. Oh, lawyer per okay. Se, there we go. I know. I know enough from from you can do talking c- to Swanee. You so. can do civil stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I can do. Yeah, I'm yeah. a civil guy. All right, sim, sim, simple I, enough. I think that translates to the courtroom. Speaking of a civil guy, uh, AJ Blazik, <laughs> would you call him civil? I would. Okay, AJ AJ Blazik, NDSU offensive line coach. He's been a reason why the Rams have been a- again averaging 6.1 yards per rush. At a one-on-one conversation earlier in the week with Coach AJ, and at the very end, we hear what his favorite pregame meal is. Let's play that one-on-one conversation with Coach Blazik. Well, with us now is offensive line coach. That's A.J. Blazik. NDSU again 5-0 and on the season. Homecoming date with Northern Iowa coming up on Saturday. And A.J., I'm just going to read a couple of stats off to you and give me a word, a sentence, whatever you want about the stats so far. So the first stat is average rush right now for North Dakota State, 6.1 yards. What do you think about that with the cohesion with the line, the fullback, and also you know the guys in the backfield? I just says we're doing things pretty good right now, and, and uh, it's a good place to start. Good place to start. A better place to start is 288 rushing yards through the entire game, which that obviously translates to what you're doing well in the first quarter, you're doing well in the fourth quarter. So what do you think about that one? Well, I think the biggest thing on that one is our kids. You know, we've had a couple games we've come out and started a little slow, seeing new things. You know, every week somebody has something, a little wrinkle for us, and they've adjusted to it, and then they just get back into bison football. And the last stat that I'm going to throw at you is the 293 rushing yards in the conference opener on the road at Illinois State against a pretty good, you know, front seven. What did you see in the first conference game about this unit that can continue to grow and develop as the conference season progresses? Well, I thought Illinois State, you know, they're a pretty physical group up front. And that was showed before, you know, on tape and statistically and everything going into the game. And so it really just says our guys were able to raise to that, rise to that occasion um, and raise to their level of physicality. And then we matched it and exceeded it. And, you know, then the challenges this week, then, you know, what's the next group going to bring and then make us play a little bit better. We'll talk about the challenge this week with Northern Iowa, but how did the bye week help? I mean, what did you go on after the bye week because UC Davis did some things where you still were able to rush for you know 200 yards but it was a very workman like 200 yards against that Aggies front what did you work on you know the week prior against Illinois saying that bye week AJ well I think the bye week led into game week last week a little bit uh, coach Goose coach Buddha you know the three of us tag team at least five to ten minutes every day of good on good work and doesn't matter if we're seeing a three down team and, and we're facing North Dakota State it's it's the speed it's the match of physical we really take pride in, in just how fast we get off the football on both sides of the ball. And to do that, you got to go against guys that play that fast. And, you know, I think we, when we talked about it, we're picking it up today in practice. You know, we got a five-minute period. Even though it's not the front we're going to see, uh, we're going to go get five minutes of really good rep work and reads and keys and fits. Um, and I think you practice at that speed, you play at that speed. And Northern Iowa, their front seven is a challenge to run against, obviously. And it's always been a physical game between you and I and NDSU. So what do you see from the Panthers? that is going to make it a challenge, but also for you guys to elevate to that level, as you were talking about earlier. Yeah, go, even go back to my days at Western Illinois four, five, six years ago, uh, Northern Iowa, they, they, they hang their hat on having stout, physical guys inside and, and having linebackers. That, you know, they're going to know what's going on and read keys and play fast. And So really, like I said, you know, Illinois State, it was, a, it was a real high bar compared to some of our preseason stuff. And this is just the next challenge. Uh, they're going to take it a little bit higher and play a little bit more physical and, and make us show up a little bit more. And you got an underclass 
Nesman and Nash Jensen that I'm sure has been able to learn from a Dylan Radins or a Zach Johnson who's been on the line for it seems like a long time here for Bison fans, which is a good thing. But what can he learn from those guys, and how does it help that Dylan and Zach can maybe play a different position to kind of say, hey, this is what I'm seeing from when I've played at that position before? Well, I th- you know, anybody's development really comes from what the competition is around them, and that's the thing that's been so fortunate in my short time here so far at NDSU is the competition's really good. And, and during that bye week and even through game week last week, and if you watch the game, I, I think uh, Nash, I think he probably played 38 snaps, and, and Kuba's probably played 30, which was Kuba's most. And it's really how he's practiced. So those two have really fed off each other to make each other better every day. Uh, it's not just, hey, once a week, they got to show up. They have to show up every day, so they're the first guy, the second guy the next day. And, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. But but Dylan, uh, Zeege, Cordell, you know, Carson, all four of those older guys that have played a little more have brought him along, you know. And I, I think him and uh, Kubas have a good relationship just in how competitive that is. You know, I, I, I chuckle because all those other four names are the ones that, that play really well and do that. We have a little game of physicality each week. And Kubas actually won physicality points this week. So that whole group of five, six, I think we had, uh, Matt and I were talking the other day, seven guys played over 20 snaps and nine guys played in the game. So that's another reason, you know, we're able to stay so physical and fresh is I think Dylan only played 42 snaps in the game, and that lets him play faster. Dylan, uh, you mentioned about Dylan, but uh, with us again, A.J. Blazek, offensive line coach for North Dakota State. I was going to ask you about Zach Johnson, but you just hit on a point that we see on defense, which is seven, eight, nine, ten guys come on defensively. What does that do for the offense then also when maybe you don't have to worry about playing 70, 80, 90 snaps if you get someone in there that can maybe split some time and split some reps? I think, number one, it builds your depth. That next group of guys, that second wave, sixth, seventh, eighth guys, they know every week there's a chance they could be in at a crucial point. And I don't think you wait until it's a 28, point lead or anything like that you know the the first substitution of the game last week uh Jalen went in and we were up 20 Illinois State had just scored and he said hey coach am I still going I said yeah you know it's you're gonna play and it's gonna be on script and on schedule that you know I think those him and Jalen both uh, Kubis and Jalen both played over 20 snaps and that really lets them know they got to prepare like a starter and then when they practice they practice like a starter and if you can have eight or nine guys doing that, that that's how you play championship football and it's got to help having a guy like Zach Johnson out there and I'm not going to say an anchor on the offensive line but you can hear anchor in a relay right the last guy's the anchor <laughs> but does he feel like the anchor just because of how many reps and snaps and him kind of being the you know grizzly veteran so to speak on the line he's definitely the lead dog <laughs> And, you know, they joke, they call him the head ram, you know, he, he's the guy in charge. So, yeah, he, he he makes sure, one, when we go show up at practice, guys are locked and loaded. You know, we stretch, he's the one guy stretches in a helmet. And it's just that's how he operates and plays and goes to work every day. So he's a great leader for every one of those guys to follow the other 17 linemen in the room. Uh, and I think that that's a standard. It's it's easy when your leader is the hardest worker. So as you've seen from day number one to through five games or now, where does the offensive line still have to continue to improve? I know the stats that we said a few minutes ago you know six yards per rush almost 300 yards per game is great but I'm sure there's still room for improvement no doubt about it you know the, the first thing we got to improve on is just finishing runs we get locked on to guys we got to replace our hands we got to bring our knees we got to finish a little bit longer a little bit farther um, and that's easy to say but just ID and recognition and football IQ on if they've got us on this what are they going to go to next and if we can have them anticipating what's coming it makes things a lot easier and I think that's showing up a little bit on third down you know they can identify pressures and blitzes and which is why they've been able to play a little bit quicker. They see tips and keys, lets them play faster. 
AJ, I got two more things for you. The first one is we, we talked about, you know, the, the offensive line and getting new guys in there, but also as a coaching staff, five games, you know, with a new staff. So how has that mesh gone so far in terms of communication and understanding what someone might say without having, you know, to officially say it? Well, I think it's gone a long way. You know, you look at the room and people, um, you know, I've, we all are different characters and personalities, but you look at that offensive staff room, you've got two former head coaches. Everybody in that room has been an offensive coordinator before. Um, so when you talk about collaboration and, yeah, we're going to make sure we get the best thing on the board, but it's not a personal, I got to have this or I got to run that or, you know, Ty's not in there going, this is what I believe. It's a group. It's been a lot of fun, and I think he's done a heck of a job leading the thing. Last thing for you, best pregame meal out there is what before a game? What's the best pregame meal now as a coach that you don't have to worry about as a player play anymore? Best pregame meal out there as a coach? Casey's Pizza. Oh, simple enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, AJ. Thanks. Uh, Casey's Pizza. Nolan, <laughs> Casey's Pizza. I mean, you can get you, breakfast pizza. You can have uh, pepperoni pizza. You can just have plain cheese. Casey's Pizza. And he had a good laugh about that, by the way, it went, when I asked him about that. You could hear it right there. The uh, You know, you told me about that earlier this week mm-hmm. that he said that, and then I was waiting to hear it. And the fact that he said it so fast was like he had his mind oh, made up. You that know it's, what it's he's Casey's Pizza. You know what he's doing before and after a game, right? Yeah, well, it's I, done. Yeah, that's hilarious. That is so funny. <laughs> Casey's General Store Pizza. I then just got something that we probably need to go send him a bill for. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they'll they'll uh, yeah. be they'll be <laughs> they'll be pretty good here on Herded Heroes Swan. We're gonna take a quick time out. We come back. We're gonna do our four minute drill around the valley. Give you a quick preview of Northern Iowa and the Bison, and then alongside get to our picks. And yes, we're gonna hear from Swami later in the picks as well we have his prediction is he going over the spread or under the spread we'll let you know more this is her to hear with swanee on 740 the fan you ready for it nolan you could make a snowman today if you really want to we could have maverick's first snowman it's not like too christmasy either this song it's just a snow song isn't it it's just about is it about i don't remember the lyrics i don't know i'm sure there's some people going you really gotta play music with snow it's not even okay well anyway we are two months and almost 13 days away and not that i'm counting till christmas you're a big christmas guy no i just realized yesterday was like october the 10th no the 11th it's easier to math and you go 18 to the 25th so my uh, fargo shanley and msum moorhead math uh dragon math uh makes it really simple for yeah yeah Yeah, no i can't math no no i never took calculus either did you have to take calc no oh yeah just algebra two because in communications you don't have to worry too much about adding and subtracting and multiplying and if you're a fun fact about me, I'm pretty sure I got a I'm pretty sure I got a C minus in in math in college. Hey, like these get bones. degrees. These yeah. get degrees, man. That's all you hear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's all you hear. Chase Miller and Nolan Schmidt and Josh Swanson's going, Maverick, don't listen to them. These don't get you where you want to be in life. Maybe. They get you to vocal law. Ah, there you go. There you go. Oh, Zach Thompson is a man him. behind the board. We'll get to our uh, predictions here in a moment. But, Nolan, when you look at this matchup between the number one buys and the 10th-ranked Panthers, last year's game, the Bison hung over 50 points on this team. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was at Northern Iowa. Granted, the game came down late into the fourth quarter, and it was a tight nip you know, ball game between the Bison and the Panthers and and ESU to walk away with it. What do you think's the key to this one? Is it the front? Is it just as simple as every week? And you say the front seven of the opponent that the Bison are playing to try to limit the ground attack of North Dakota State. You say, hey, you know what? UNI is going to run the football. Their quarterback's going to make sure he's you know 
containing the pressure of a Derek Tuska and a Colt Karch and these guys that are going to be coming down, you know, breathing his throat. What is your biggest key in this one between the Panthers and the Bison? I'm worried about the efficiency of Northern Iowa's offense because I'm just looking at their rankings in FBS. I mean, they're ninth in total defense and NDSU's fifth. I mean, this is going to be a good defensive matchup, but, you know, I'm seeing scoring offense 88th, rushing offense 99th, passing offense 60th. Total offense ninety eighth. That's not. Those aren't good rankings to have in FBS football. And, and I'm seeing a freshman quarterback in Will McIlvain who is averaging two hundred fifteen yards a game, passing eight touchdowns, one interception. Um, runs the ball a little bit, but obviously a freshman. And, and I've said this a lot: is that you know you get a freshman going into the Fargo Dome, regardless of how many fans are there today for homecoming, it's still going to be loud. It's an environment that quarterbacks aren't used to. You know, I don't know if I put a lot of stock in Northern Iowa's offense because you look at, yeah, they had the close FBS win or close to an FBS win over Iowa State in Ames. They struggled mightily against Idaho State. I mean, they only scored 13 points, 13 mm-hmm. to 6 final score. Yep. They got washed by Weber uh, in in Utah obviously. And then, you know, last week they they beat Youngstown, correct? Is that what it, that's who yep. they beat? So I mean, and Youngstown was 4-0, it's a good win. So I, I I just don't know how much stock I can put in this offense, especially with a Bison defense that in total defense they're 5th in the country. And, I don't know. And you go from there to the other side, Nolan, and we talked about Derek Tuska for NDSU's defense, right, and how good he's mm-hmm. been. Well, you and I, they got a defensive lineman who is just as good. I don't know as good, but he's putting up just as big of numbers. You have Ellerson Smith, the defensive end, seven and a half sacks so far for the Panthers. You and I, has got 17 total. You look at Ellerson Smith. He's a redshirt sophomore from Minneapolis, which is right in the recruiting battle between Northern mm-hmm. Iowa and the Bison. Six foot five, 230 pounds. He wears number 16. He's a defensive end for Northern Iowa. That's a matchup that I'm curious to see what the defensive line can do and if they Get the Bison in passing downs. How can they contain Trey Lance and not let Lance break out of the pocket and maybe get a five, six-yard rush to keep moving the chains? I mean, we had this conversation against Illinois State, right? I mean, well, they have a 6'5", 330 guy in the middle in, in John Ridgeway. I didn't hear John Ridgeway's name too often you know, last week. So I put more stock and I put more confidence in NDSU's offensive line, like we've been talking about over the course of the show, to contain a high-end defensive end or a high-end defensive tackle than I do for defensive tackles or defensive ends to make plays on those offensive linemen. When you got guys out on the edge like Zach Johnson and Dylan Radens, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. It's hard to get by them. I mean, there's there's no there's no debating that. So I, I'm I'm sure this Ellerson Smith is a really good player, but Illinois State had some really good defensive linemen, some really big defensive linemen last week, and they didn't touch Trey Lance. And the next closest guy is Jared Brinkman, who's a different player. By what I mean by that, he's a nose tackle, but he's a five foot eleven, two ninety nose tackle. He's got two and a half. Has sex. there ever been a nose tackle under six feet? <laughs> I mean, I, that's a serious question. Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of that. I mean, so you got uh, Smith Ellerson with seven and a half. Then it goes down to again Jared Brinkman at two and a half for sex. So I mean, they're showing you that the line play can get to the quarterback. It's just a matter of what can they do. And in both uh, losses that they have this year, you and I has given up 29 points. Granted, one mm-hmm. was in overtime, and that was to Iowa State. 
But the other one was a road contest to Weber State. So if you just look at the matchup of them going, okay, they're 3-0 at home, they're 0-2 on the road. So can can they pick up a win on the road is the question here. They're a little confusing, right? I, I think Weber's, a, Weber, Hyde. Yeah, Weber's a, good, a good big sky team, and, and I think you – you know, can give a coin toss as to who you thought was going to win that game, but you know they they stink against Idaho State. They you know had many chances to lose that game. Only scored 13 points at home in the Uni Dome, um, and then they come out and beat Youngstown, who is four and zero. Who people were thinking, well, why is Youngstown ranked 18th in the polls? And, and uni beats them so uh, it's very interesting what kind of northern iowa team we'll see today obviously you say they're they're 2 and 0 at, at home but one of those is a lackluster performance yep, against the Bengals yep. so I don't know. I, I, I'm i interested to see the kind of Northern Iowa team that we're going to see in the Fargo. Tomorrow. We're going to get to our picks next segment, but quickly, Nolan, two-minute drill. Here's a look around the Valley. Give me what you think in this outcome. Western Illinois at Indiana State, a game that the Sycamores oh. desperately need to stay alive for any playoff hope. What a horrifying matchup. Indiana State. Probably. Indiana State. Yeah. Okay, that's going to be a noon kickoff. You have at 2 p.m. South Dakota at Missouri State. The winner all of a sudden goes to 2-0 and in conference play. In Springfield. Give me Missouri State because they come to Fargo next week. 2-0 I, I Bears. I want to see a good Missouri State-North Dakota State matchup mm. in the Fargo. So you're not going to take USD's quarterback? No, I'm changing it. I said, <laughs> it, on, the, I said it on the podcast I like Austin Simmons. But. Uh, all right, that's at 2 o'clock today. South Dakota at Missouri State. Again, winner goes to 2-0 in conference play. Here's a big one. Is Youngstown for real or was their non-conference just powder puff central and we'll go from there? South Dakota State at Youngstown State, 5 o'clock. The loser Goes to zero and two. If it Youngstown loses, if the Rabbits lose, they drop to one and one in conference play. So trying to keep up with the buys, and if NDSU wins, that's what the Rabbits will try to do today down in Youngstown. And these will be a couple teams that NDSU sees uh, see a South Dakota State at the end of the month, and then early early November Youngstown yep. State both on the road. We're going to learn a lot about these two teams. I'm confused by Youngstown. The fact that they lost to Northern Iowa that throws a wrench in what I think a lot of people thought they would be. Um, I'll take South Dakota State, but I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if Bo has them, has them ready. Close. It'll be close, close, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to go Rabbits too. I'm going to go South Dakota, and I'm going to go Indiana State from the games earlier. Last one: Do the Redbirds fall to 0-2 in conference play and three and three at Southern Illinois against the Saluki team that led 10-9 against the Rabbits in Brookings last weekend? In Car- it's in Carbondale. Yep. Uh, no. Because James Robinson is probably going to run for over, uh, I'll say, 130 yards. I, I can't put any stock in a Saluki rush defense yep. to sustain a four-quarter game against James Robinson. I'm I gonna, can't. I'm going to go Southern Illinois. I'm going to go with the upset. Okay. I'm going to go with the upstart of Southern Illinois. Salukis are going to go to 3-3, three and 1-1 three, one and one in conference play. Illinois State is going to be pushing that panic button after this Saturday evening kickoff at 6 p.m. Quick timeout. We're back with Nolan's Chases. And, yes, we got Swanee's prediction. We're taking it to the bank next here on Heard It Here on 740 The Fan. We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just um, don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Nolan and I have been talking so much that normally this segment's about 8, 10 minutes. We're going to have, like, a three-minute segment. Gotta be quick. You know why? Because Swanee's not in the co-pilot or the host pilot yeah. chair, bringing us down Broadway up to 19th Avenue and into the Fargnome here on this Saturday morning. Glad you're tuning in to Heard It Here with Swanee Chase Miller, Nolan Schmidt, alongside Zach Thompson. Swanee back in the saddle. Don't worry. Next week, you'll hear Swanee's golden tones now as a father of Maverick. <laughs> uh, so what does Swanee say in our prediction segment? Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> 
Gather round the congregation, the priest is at the pulpit. Maverick will at least fill 10 diapers today, and the Bison win 35-10. to 10. He's taking the spread. Exact quote. Oh, well, who's going to have more diapers or points is, I think, the question on, I, on I think, that one. I think his joke was he was comparing diapers yeah, to Northern yeah, Iowa. So yeah. uh, take that, that for what it's worth. That doesn't surprise me from coming out of Swanee, right? Because he he <laughs> likes to write checks from his mouth, and then he likes people to kind of beat him up for it. Yeah, he's, he's very... Uh, I don't know. He's very uh, colorful with his words. Uh, against, that's a good, uh, that's a good word to use uh, all right, uh, uh, for FCC regulations. Uh, 35-10 is what uh, Swanee <laughs> predicted. What do you got, Nolan? I have 31-7. to seven. I, do not, I do not think that... So you're Northern, taking the points, too, or yeah, over. I mean, I don't really look at that, but uh, I just I truly do not believe in Northern Iowa's offense enough to sustain... Uh, drives. Uh, they they need they need a turnover, special teams play, something or another to to stay competitive. I th- I think. And the spread again is at twenty one. I believe twenty one twenty one and a half, something like that. That's a healthy spread against Northern Iowa. When's the last time it, has there ever been a spread like that Maybe, against the Panthers? One, I don't know what the one last year was. I have to double check on that. Last, so, the last last year's was high because Northern Iowa. Not too many people were very high on that. Has anybody year. got? I don't think anyone's got a pick wrong yet this year. I think we've all picked the Bison. Is that correct? In every yeah, game? I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. 35-10 for Swanee, 24-13 for uh, uh, what I'm going to pick, and you're going to go 31-7. So I'm the only one that's going to go underneath the spread, 24-13. I like more of a You're schla- conservative. I you're like too conservative. The, I like the schlobber knocker. I like to use that word, a yeah, schlobber knocker here. Yeah, we'll get We're close. We're playing to, on Dakota Field. We'll get close with the kicker. He'll be fine. You know, We'll see what he can do again. All he does is make field goals, so we'll see what indoors. transpires. Yeah, indoors, indoors. So 31-7 for Nolan, 24-13 for myself, and 35-10 for Swanee. So Nolan? Be a lot of fun to see what happens coming up here later today inside the Fargo Dome. Yeah, and the week is uh, weeks ahead. Missouri State next week, and then it's uh, Dakota Marker week, and then it's Youngstown. It's a it's a busy uh, kind of October, early November for North Dakota State, and I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. And I think we're already learning their win last week that they're miles ahead of what we thought they were going to be this year. And who would have thought that Missouri State could come into the Fargonome and be 2-0 and gonna do after two weeks they're and play the it. University of South Dakota and have a chance to do that. So we'll find out what's going to happen here later today inside the Fargonome. Coming up next, FCS Saturday with myself, Chase Miller, Jim Nelson of the Waterloo Courier. He'll be joining the program. We'll preview the Panthers and get more of a purple not Paul Allen, but purple Northern Iowa look <laughs> at things. And then around the rink with Travis Dunn's coming up after that, getting you all that hockey talk from 930 to 1030. It's the Red River Rivalry Shootout. It's Sooners, Longhorns, 1030 pre-11 o'clock kickoff. Then later tonight, can the Wild pick up a win? Can a Minnesota franchise win a game? <laughs> the Twins have it. The Wild have it. Do we got to wait till the Timberwolves play a regular season game on October the 23rd? That's a lot of faith in the we'll Timberwolves. Fi- we'll find out. Also, Gophers later today on our sister station, Jack FM, the Cornhuskers, and the Gophers at 630. On behalf of Zach Thompson, he's Nolan Schmidt. Thanks to Swanee for letting us uh, fill in on this one. And as Swanee says, this for the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.